We're going to open up to Revelation chapter 2 today. We've been in this series called Just Doors, talking about the doors that we leave open in our lives, doors of access to the enemy. I want to read to you about today's door. The message to the church in Thyatira. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God. We, sometimes we just got to sit with this for a second and realize, who, who's this message from? The Son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. We can't just brush over this. This is the Son of God, a message from Him. Verse 19, I know all the things you do. I have seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in these things. This church is doing good things. There's good things going on. Love, faith, service, patient endurance. Constant improvement in all these things. But. I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. There's a lot here. First of all, I just got to tell you, I, uh, man, like looking through this, I've been going through these passages all week, and this is a hard passage. This is a tough one, but I believe that he's got something for us here in Revelation because we are in the end times. We're here. We're here right now. Let me read that description to you again and begin to think in your mind this is the church today. We're seeing this today. We're seeing churches today that are showing love, they're showing faith, they're showing service, patient endurance, constant improvement, but I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. You can be a church that's doing 90% of the right things, but you're tolerating 10% of evil. You can do all the right things, but how much are you willing to tolerate in this world to try to fit in? How much are we willing to ignore, to turn our back on, to, to act like God's word says nothing about it in the name of tolerance? Because we've been told and we've come to believe this lie that tolerance is love. That's what we believe, right? Like in our world today, just, just put up with it, right? Don't say anything. Just stay quiet. Just stay in your lane. Don't say anything. Because the danger is if you step out of that lane, 
nowadays you can get canceled, you can lose your job, you can, any number of things can happen. Uh, you might lose a relationship, you might lose a friendship. So just stay in this lane of tolerance. Everything God creates, Satan counterfeits. Everything God has created, Satan has counterfeited. When you go through and you begin to look at the world he's created, what he's done, you can see, what did he do? He created life. What did Satan bring in? He, he brought in death. God created angels. Satan brought with him demons. This is what Satan does. This is the pattern all throughout. And so even when Satan brought in sickness and death, God then brought in his son to make a new way through repentance and turning to Jesus as Lord and Savior. He made a way where there was no way. And what did Satan do? Instead of repentance, he created tolerance. We don't need to repent. We don't need to turn back from our sin. We, we're all okay. Everybody's okay. And what have we done? We've cheapened grace. We've talked about this from the very beginning of revival. Grace without truth is meaningless. It's not needed. It's not necessary. But truth without grace is harsh and cruel. We need truth and grace in combination. This church that this word is for They've turned their back. They've given permission. They've tolerated these sins. Maybe behind closed doors, they said, I don't agree with that. I don't think that, you know, that should be going on. I know God's word says different. But out in the public eye, out in face-to-face -face interactions with relationships with these people within their church, They've tolerated it. In fact, they've even encouraged it or celebrated it. That's what was going on here. Can you see that in the church today? Can you see the church in the West beginning to turn their back on repentance and turn towards tolerance in the name of love? That's what we think it is. We think this is love. But in any other situation in life, we would say, no, 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 that, that's insane, that's crazy, that's abuse. Here, let me just tell you something really quick. Uh, I, I'll just use Maverick as an example. My, my middle kid, I use him as an example a lot. I haven't done it in a while. Uh, Maverick, uh, when he is walking home from school, I, I, I drive up. And I'm parked on the opposite side of the road. And so him and his sister Harper, they have to cross over to the car. And there's after, you ever been like in a pickup line? It's crazy, all right? It's chaos. There's cars everywhere. There's kids yelling, screaming. People are throwing backpacks. And I mean, it's just insane. And so Maverick is one of those insane kids. Like he is emptying out his backpack as he's walking. He's trying to shove his coat into his backpack because he doesn't want to wear it because it's 20 degrees and he thinks that's warm. Uh, I mean, he's crazy. And so he's doing all this, and Harper, she's up there at the edge of the street, and she sees the car, and she's looking both ways, and she's like ready and getting ready to cautiously 
cross over. Maverick comes running up, and, and he's just doing whatever he feels like. He's doing whatever he wants, and he's like not even paying attention, and he starts running, and there's cars coming from both directions. I'm sitting in the seat, and I am screaming, stop! Or I could just sit back and say nothing, because that's what he feels like doing. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do? Okay, you do it, bud. You do it. That's child abuse. That's sick, right? Tolerance is not a good thing. It's not a virtue, but we've made it a virtue in our world. We've made it a virtue to strive for, to chase after. Therefore, verse 22, I will throw her on a bed of suffering. And those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. Even when we act on our desires, even when we let our flesh and our cravings and our desires drive the bus, drive every decision we make, he is still kind and gracious and gives us opportunities for repentance. That's just who he is. In fact, he, he gives us an extended amount of time. He will give us as much time as he possibly can in hopes that we will turn back to him. He said, go back to verse 21, I gave her time to repent. He was patient, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Tolerance is a door for the enemy. It's a door for the enemy in our life, and it's a door in the enemy of the lives of the people around us. If I began to tolerate everything my kids did and just said, however you want to raise yourselves, they'd be dead. Like, honestly, like, <laughs> all right? I mean, hey, you want to eat all that chocolate and brownies, and then you want to go run around in the street, do whatever you want. That's what you feel like doing. No, no, no. God has given us his word, because it's a boundary. It's for our safety. Now, what, what the church does, though, is we tend, to, we tend to, when we're driving the bus of the church, we tend to veer off in crazy directions sometimes because we're trying to avoid what happened before. And so we saw, we saw the church 20, 30 years ago. We saw the church in the ditch of religion and legalism. And so what did we do these last 20, 30 years? We said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to be legalistic. And so we started turning that wheel, and we turned that wheel all the way over to the opposite side, and there's another ditch on that side. It's lawlessness. That's what the church is trying to find the balance of today. We're trying to find that middle ground between legalism and lawlessness, Lawlessness says grace is cheap. You can have as much of it as you want. Take advantage of it. Abuse it. Do whatever you want in this life because it feels good. And we completely lose all fear and reverence for who God is. And that's where I, that's where I would tell you, go back to the very beginning, that description of who Jesus is. I know all, actually, no, no, no. This is the message Verse 18, this is the message from the Son of God whose eyes are like flames of fire. 
don't take this description of who he is lightly. When you read through Revelation about who he is and how he's coming back, it's not a lamb, it's a lion. Learn to bow your knees to the king now before he forces you when he comes back the next time around. I hate getting on my knees in worship. I hate it. My knees hurt. I'm getting old, all right? I actually, I started doing, uh, we started taking our daughter. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I just saw our daughter's uh, softball coach is here. And so she's been doing these lessons with her. And, and I have to catch for my daughter, all right? She needs a catcher. So I get down and I was catching. I used to catch in high school. Um, let me tell you something. I used to catch like, you know, seven, eight innings, no problem. I sat down for that first session like two weeks ago to catch for Harper. My lower back was on fire. My legs were killing me. I was cramping up. I was sweating. Like, I, I just, I, I mean, I just couldn't, like, I couldn't do anything. I felt like I'm not ready for this. So I want to start practicing getting used to bowing down before the king now so I'm a lot more ready when he comes back the next time around. I want all the pride broken off me right now. And let me tell you something, catching for my daughter, all the pride is getting broken off. Like I'm down there and there's a ball like ricocheting into my face. There's one that, you know, got me where you don't want to get got. And it's just like, I'm getting humbled again, Lord. It's good for me. It's good for me. Learn now while we're here to get down before the king, to remember who he is, who his word says he is, and that we don't make the law. He's the law maker. He's the law giver. And it's just our job to trust and obey, to trust that he's a good father, to trust that he's given us this word so we can find the middle of the road and not veer off to one ditch or the other. To know that he is a God of love, but love is not tolerance. He's a God of truth and grace. And his son is coming back with flames of fire in his eyes. Verse 22. Therefore I will throw her on a bed of suffering. And those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. Some of us in here, we're suffering right now. We're going through things. And I would just tell you, in this moment today, at the end, when our worship team comes back up and they begin to play, you go to the Father and you ask him, Lord, reveal in my heart, is there something that I am hiding, that I'm trying to live as uh, just on my own, away from you, away from your word? Is there sin in my life that I haven't realized it yet, that I haven't confessed, that I haven't repented of? Because where there's suffering, we know there's sin. Ask him. Go to him and ask him if there's anything that he wants to reveal to you. I will throw her on a bed of suffering, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. Now, every now and then you'll get a case like Job where they're suffering, but there was no evil deeds. But I would tell you, God uses pain. He uses sickness. He uses suffering as a wake-up call. It can be a wake-up call. But what the enemy wants to do 
is when you're going through that season of suffering, he wants you to blame God and say, see, God's not good or God's not real or God's not for you. God doesn't care about you. He wants you to turn your back on the only one who can bring relief for your suffering. That's what he wants. That's it right there. And so when you're suffering, when you're sick, when you're going through something, you go to him and you ask him, Lord, is there something you want to reveal in my life, something that I am ignoring your word on, that I'm not living faithfully and obediently in? And God, if so, I want to repent and turn back to you and give you every area, every room within me. Let it be yours because we are temples of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Don't forget that truth. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I'm the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person, and I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. That's a scary thing. Because he's not just looking at the outer works. Because that's really easy, right? We can go and we can go do a serve project at Open Door Mission or Abide and we can go help people and we can feel really good for a minute or two and feel like, man, I've accomplished something. But what did he say? Even this church, what were they doing? They were showing love. They were showing faith. Some of us, we're showing up faithfully. We're serving in our church. We're enduring. You can do all these things and even be constantly improving in them. But... He will search out the thoughts and intentions of every person, every secret motive. Because how many times have we been in church and how many times have we done something kind, but we didn't do it because he told us to. We didn't do it because he called us and created us to do that. There was a motive behind it and he searches out every secret thought, intention, and motive within us. And so I would warn us today, church, all of us, go to him in fear and trembling when you have these conversations. Do not go to him arrogantly. Do not go to him and say, look what I've done. Look, I ever, look at, here, here's, my, uh, here's my resume, Lord. Look at all the things I've done. I don't deserve this. I, I deserve, you know, all these things, all these blessings. God, I don't deserve this. Don't go to him with that attitude. He's the king with eyes aflame. Go to him, bow down on your knees humbly in fear and trembling and acknowledge him as Lord. Ask him to reveal the secret things within you, to reveal those secret motives and intentions because that, that is what he is doing and working within us the Holy Spirit, when you invite him in to do that work of restoration, that's what he begins to do. The renewing of our minds begins to take place as we continue to walk in repentance and submission to him. And so right now, you might be doing all the right things, but with all the wrong motives. But as you continue to walk in submission to the voice of the Holy Spirit, in line with his word, he will continue to renew your mind, your thoughts, your intentions, your secret motives, and he will begin to align them with his spirit. But it does take patient endurance. 
and a willingness to submit and bend your knee to the king and understand that this world and what they say, you may be tempted to try to fit in. You may be tempted to try to tolerate what the world tolerates. But in the end, everyone will bow. And it'll either be by our choice or by him making us. That's all I want to get to. Like for me in my life, I I just want to get to the point where I lose every ounce of fear, every ounce of worry about what people may think about me, what the world might say, because I care way more about what the King of Kings says. I want to get to that point where the unseen realm is more real to me than what I can see, taste, and touch, and feel in this world. That's where I want to get to, and that's where I want our church to get to, and that's where I believe we're heading. I believe as we continue to find this path, this path down the middle between lawlessness and legalism, that's where revival is. There is revival and renewal as we continue to walk along the path he's called us and created us for. That's what I want to see for our church. That's what I want to see for the church. A church that doesn't tolerate evil, but helps answer people's questions or doubts or struggles with the Holy Spirit and his word and walking in submission to it and people beginning to find healing and freedom from things that they thought they could never overcome, from desires they thought they were stuck with for the rest of their life, from secret sins they thought they would have to hide for the rest of their life from their family, from their friends, from their sons, from their daughters. I I know that. I, I can see that in my family. My family, they got secrets. I've been finding out the secrets. Holy Spirit's been revealing some of these secrets. Nothing stays hidden. Everything comes out into the light. He promises us that. So you might think, oh, I've got everyone fooled. I've got everyone convinced I am who I project, this projected image of myself. But the actual image of who you are, it's all coming out someday. It'll all be revealed. So the goal for us as believers is to kill that projected image in our mind of who we think we should be. And to let our actual image begin to be aligned with his word and what it says and who he calls us to be, being transformed by the renewing of our mind, Romans 12, 2. Because guess what? Life's a lot more fun when you don't have secrets. It really is. I'm teaching my son Maverick that right now. Like, he's got a lot of lies he keeps trying to balance in his life, and he's got a lot of secrets he keeps trying to, you know, he doesn't want to get in trouble, he doesn't want to this, and, and we keep trying to tell him, no, 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 you're going to be in less trouble if you just tell us. In, in fact, sometimes he's told us things like he did, and they were wrong, and they were bad, and he shouldn't have done them, and I'm like, I'm so excited, and I'm so happy, I'm like, I'm buying you Dairy Queen, Let's do it, because I want you to know it's better to be real than to live in the darkness and hide who you really are. Plus, I get a little Dairy Queen if we go. (laughs) I know this. I know this is true, because, man, my, my whole high school, college, even early on in my youth ministry days, there were so many parts of me that I felt like I had to hide 
this actual self. And I, I just projected this image of who I thought I was supposed to be, whether I was in high school or whether I was in college or whether I was a, a young youth pastor whose knees didn't hurt when he was trying to catch. All these things. When you begin to bring the secrets out from the darkness, that's where you find freedom. That's where you find healing. That's where you find that renewal and restoration and you begin to walk in revival. Worship team, I'll invite you guys back up. I want to close with that passage in John. We've talked about it the last couple weeks. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Here's legalism right here. Here's that ditch. Here's that painting. Here's that perfect picture for you to see. Here's legalism right here. Here's what the law says. And we're going to hold this person up to the perfect standard of the law, but we're not going to hold ourselves to this standard because we've done a better job keeping who we are in the dark. That's what they had done. They had kept it all in the dark. They were trying to trap him, verse 6, into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. I really believe when he was writing in that dust, I believe he was just reading their mail, reading their journals, reading their diaries, writing everything down that they thought nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever find out about this. I can project myself as this religious leader, this religious person that has it all together. And then all of a sudden, they start to look at what Jesus is writing, and they know, I'm caught. He knows. Everything they thought they could hide from him, there's nothing you can hide from the king. There's nothing. Live life with no secrets. That's the goal. Start today. Repent, turn back to him, and confess to somebody something that Satan has been whispering in your ear. You need, you need to keep this in the dark. You can't tell anybody about this. They won't understand. They will never look at you the same again. Let me tell you something. I've heard some things. I've done some things. I've said some things. And the people that I've talked with, the people that know, they're still here today. They love me. <laughs> and I still love them after everything they've told me. Because we know what we're chasing after. We're chasing after freedom. We're chasing after the light. We're chasing after who he's called us to be. He never called us to be a Pharisee.
They slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't, every, didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And this is where Jesus said, go and keep doing whatever you want. Go and keep doing whatever you feel like. Go and keep living however you want. No, he never said that. Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. That's what Jesus does. That's what grace does. Grace empowers us to walk in freedom. You might not believe it right now. You might feel like you don't know how stuck I am. You don't know how trapped I am in this. I can't stop even if I wanted to stop. I've been there. I remember driving home to my Christian college after a long weekend of doing a lot of things that Satan wanted me to do. And I was driving this long drive back as a freshman to Norfolk, Nebraska. It's a boring drive. And I'm driving along, and I just said, God, I don't even want to quit. And I turned on the radio, and I turned on this Christian station, because I thought, maybe that'll help. And I'm telling you, it was one of those moments when God just speaks at the exact right time and tells you exactly what you need to hear. There's some guy preaching on there. And he said, pray this prayer with me. God, I may not want to stop, but I want to want to stop. That was me. I wanted to want it, but I didn't even want it. Does that make sense? Go ahead. Yeah, you're tracking with me. You're tracking with me. I wanted to want to not do it anymore. I wanted to want to not let my desires and my sin and my, my cravings for this world, I didn't want them to drive the bus anymore. So I wanted to not want that anymore. And I heard that and it made perfect sense. And I'm telling you, that is what he's been doing in my life ever since. He's been changing the wants and desires of my heart from the inside out. He's been healing me in a way I never thought was possible to be healed. Church, would you stand up right now? Would you just put your hands out and receive this? Just receive this. God, as your church, as your people, whatever it is we've kept in the dark, Lord, we repent, we turn back to you in this moment. God, whatever addiction, whatever struggle, whatever darkness we've been hiding, God, I pray that your light would expose it here in this moment, that we would not tolerate evil anymore, that we would not tolerate the desires of the enemy, but that we would seek after the desires of your heart. God, I pray for complete, full healing and restoration, for our desires to begin to line up with your desires for everything within us that's been trapped in this world to be broken off us in Jesus' name in this moment. Every foothold the enemy's had, we break it off in Jesus' name. We declare freedom in this room today as people step out of darkness into light and begin to follow you and trust and obey your word. God, we want to want you more. We want to want to desire the things of your heart and your kingdom. And we pray that right now in Jesus' name, amen.